1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: Let me see, I'm John Verhoven, and I've worked as a cop, I was in forensics, I was in the air wing, world class, and I was a New South Wales firefighter, top shelf. Have I, have I left anything out? Nope, that's all I did. Oh, wait. When my dad and mum were exhausted from too much death, destruction and adventure after years in the emergency services, they did something totally normal. They decided to run a funeral home. In this season of Loose Units, you'll find out what it was like to grow up with parents who ran an actual funeral home, prepared bodies, dealt with grieving families, and who confronted death on a daily basis. It'll be harrowing, thrilling, and loose. Welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Hello, and welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. I'm Paul Verhoeven, and every week I sit down with my dad, John Verhoeven, because dad used to run a funeral home. Um, I mean, obviously before that he did a whole bunch of stuff. He was a cop, he was in forensics, he was a firefighter, basically just a series of really intense, humble brags, but... Uh, This season of Loose Units, we are talking about Dad's time dealing with the dead in a very, very intense, strange, and I think at times, hopefully, uh, you know, informative way. And Dad, I believe chronologically, we've kind of reached, I would say, the year and a half mark in your time working at Kinsella Funeral Homes. Is that correct? Mm, Yeah.
3: Spot on, Paul. Mm.
2: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, correct. Correct. Affirmative. Okay. 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 Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So, uh, what I would like to do is... I mean, you keep sort of dancing around and mentioning, you know, I don't dance, or-
3: Paul. I don't dance. Although, can I just let the listeners and you know mm-hmm. that when I was an awkward teenager, and I know yeah. that a lot of people will... I mean, it's a given that teenagers are awkward, but <laughs> I was very, very tall for my age. Uh-huh. uh huh. And my parents thought it was a really great idea to get me to... And I don't know whether I've ever told you this, Paul. I'm, I'm almost tempted not to tell you but my parents made me Uh do ballroom dancing (laughs) did you know that
2: it was so Uh, bad do you think that's where i get my fear of um choreography because i really struggle with i really struggle with um you know any kind of dancing unfortunately
3: i hate dancing okay i hate it and i my partner's it it's it's worse than going to a murder.
2: No, it's... Really? No, I'm
3: serious. I was either dancing with... Now, bear in mind, I was about 15 and I had pimples. Uh-huh. Um, and I was gangly. Yeah, yeah. And my partners were either women in their 80s mm-hmm. who would move the Zimmer frame yep. to within close proximity of me, uh-huh. or I was dancing with... <sighs> I can't even bear to think about it. Why my parents thought it would help me in life, uh, it didn't. And the very, very first time I danced with Christine, and the only and the the first and last time I danced with Christine, I trod on her feet, but quite badly. Uh huh. Uh huh. She had to then sit down for the rest of the night. Um, And she's and and if Christine wants to really have a go at me, yeah, she makes reference. To my to your ability, dancing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I've, so, yeah. I've 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 uh in, in Loose Units and Electric Blue, I make reference to the fact that I dance like a Muppet being electrocuted, which is not you know, which is not inaccurate. So mm. I'm I'm glad to know that you've passed something down. Excellent. Nothing, Excellent. Nothing good, no. just uh That's okay. Anyway, so you're a year and a half into your tenure at Kinsella Funeral Homes, and one of the things that you mentioned to me in passing at the start of this season, because you sort of gave me this you know, like a word cloud of different, mm. you know, different uh, different prompts for different yes. cases and different yep. stories. Yeah. And you mentioned one time, you mentioned Rookwood Cemetery and you said, please, Paul, ask me about Rookwood Cemetery. It's it's going to be a cracker of a story. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, well,
3: why is it that you only ever, ever want to talk about
2: the most traumatic events in my life? Because that's the show. You're right. Good point. Good point. Right. So I'm Googling Rookwood Cemetery right now because I'm very curious as to where Rookwood Crematorium, Rookwood... Uh, Rookwood Cemetery, is that right? Mm. Yeah,
3: massive, the size Rickwood's- of a small suburb.
2: It says it's in Lidcombe. Correct. Okay. Uh, I mean, have
3: a look how big it is. Go to maps. Go to yeah, Google Maps.
2: Yeah, and listeners, feel free to do this along with us. So, uh, mm. go- oh, Jesus fucking Christ, it's incredible, isn't it? That's real. Okay, so it's at the back of the University of Sydney. Um, uh, cr- Dad, that is extraordinarily big. It's. I mean it's got like it's got its own ecosystem I- I'm looking here it looks like I mean okay just to put it in scale listeners there is a golf cl- uh, there's a golf course next to it and the golf course is about one I would say one tenth the size of this, mm. of this. no it's it- it's God I that's... think it might actually be a suburb it is no it's the size
3: Paul, of um have you ever heard the term big you bet your oil rig no I just made that up but Did you? um it's got nothing i mean it's big so would you like me to sort of give you a bit of a lead-in
2: yeah and and feel free to kind of you know paint us a real picture because i'm assuming this story first of all i I don't know if listeners have gotten a handle on this yet because i know i haven't what time are most funeral services held at morning or afternoon um generally speaking in the morning okay um when it's getting towards
3: the hottest part of the day, particularly in summer when the sun's mm-hmm. right above and everyone's wearing black. Yeah. And it's really, really great because the black absorbs maximum heat at that time of day. How's that great? I'm being facetious.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm so, just everyone's
3: trying... perspiring. Yeah. Everything about it. I mean, what I would like to do is I would like to do nighttime funerals.
2: That's spooky. Mm. Well, good point. That'd be super spooky. I super mean, spooky, look- but cool. Yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Or just, you know, have them in the winter. I think um, I am genuinely looking at this and the map has given it a name in the same font and size and prominence as Strathfield, uh, which is next to it, mm. and Borala. And I mean, what I'm saying is I'm pretty sure Rookwood Cemetery is a suburb. Mm. So, So let's start at the very beginning. Talk us through this day of yours from the beginning.
3: Well, I had done funerals at many, many cemeteries, as you and the listeners are quite aware. Mm. And I had never done a funeral, as in me being the conductor, yeah, in its entirety at Brookwood Cemetery. And what the listeners need to know is that that particular cemetery is divided... Like if you go to a country um, cemetery like Armadale or Tamworth or Mafra I don't think that's big enough Paul.
2: Mafra yeah. has a has a um, has a cemetery. Mm. Oh, and right. it's divided into dom- denominations. So you've got the Anglican well, section, well, you've got the
3: Cool. Yeah. Okay, well you've basically just basically cut cut my argument with a rapier. Because what I was going to say, let's maybe we should go smaller like maybe Urala. Yeah. Uh, the home of Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. And mostly um, I mean, if you were of the, if you were, for example, Jewish and you died in Urala and you were going to be buried in that town, I don't think they they would have a Jewish section. Um, And I don't think they would have um, in certain cemeteries, a Muslim section or a Anglican section or a Methodist section or a Uniting Church section or Catholic or, I mean, what are the religions? There's, 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 there's Hinduism, there's. Tao, Taoism, all these different religions, mm. and they like to, when they can, have them in specific sections. You know, to sort of feel that it's a group of people of that of that belief that are buried together. So Rookwood is divided. It's a very complex um, uh, cemetery that that I will reveal to you shortly, but. I rocked up for work, as usual, about 7 o'clock. It was midsummer. I'd been at at, um, at Kinsella's for between 18 months and two years. Okay. And I was pretty senior. I was still a firefighter.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but in the fire brigade back then, we were doing two days, two nights, four off, which in effect gave me six days off out of eight. And occasionally, I would either have the hearse parked in the side station near Manly Fire Station mm-hmm. or I'd have perhaps a black limousine, depending on what the duties were. And on this particular occasion, I rocked up, we, you know, I went over to the mortuary and we, um, we got the deceased, made sure that it was, in fact, the correct deceased, which is always yep. a, uh, you know, that's a good way to start the day. And uh, it was a big production. We had a full crew. So we had a series of black limousines. In fact, on that particular occasion, now we had two... Um, ford ltd black four-door limousines Mm -hmm. Um, and boy oh boy didn't we charge those out at some exorbitant fee and then we had the black hearse now the hearse generally had two people but occasionally three and as everyone knows in that sad story when i picked up that particular minister we squeezed so we actually managed to get four in the front Mm -hmm. very unusual Mm -hmm. this was a particularly hot day from memory, it was approaching. It was probably about thirty six, thirty seven degrees, so approaching a hundred Fahrenheit in the old in the old um, temperature. Yeah, and we got everything ready. Um, made the name plaque, which we used to sc- sort of have this special little machine where you'd scribe their name. That was quite an interesting process. And then we we got everything ready. Casket cover into the back. Uh, got the crew ready. And one of the things we had to do on this particular occasion is we had to go via a hospital. And that hospital was St. Vincent's. And we were picking up the wife of the deceased. So that was pretty weird. Why were you picking her up from the hospital? She was in hospital.
2: What for? Do you remember?
3: Um, she, I just remember she was pretty crook. Uh, and one thing that really, really shocked me, Paul, that day is that When we went um, to pick her up, we had the hearse and two limos because we were picking up quite a few of the family at various places in Sydney Mm -hmm. en route to Rookwood. Now, no one had told me that this particular woman was on oxygen. So she had an oxygen cylinder on a sort of a, a makeshift trolley. Yep. And that she was wheeling it around... So we picked her up. She was. She already looked pretty stressed. So she's got the funeral. She's on oxygen, and it's yeah. bloody hot. Okay?
2: And these things, I mean, first of all, um, how big are these oxygen cylinders that you, she's got? Well,
3: this particular cylinder would have been... Um, now, excuse me, listeners, I'm going into imperial measurements, but it would have been around about two feet high uh-huh. and maybe five inches in diameter. Okay. Um, and it was on this sort of little trolley but we had to get her into the car so we got her into the car first and just um imagine if we had shut the door and forgotten about the cylinder yeah imagine if we had driven off dragging the cylinder which then may have gone under a a lorry and exploded (laughs) i know my imagination's running away with me slightly paul (laughs) that's fine no it's good no but i like to sort of you know think on the run um But then we had to get her cylinder into the... And she was in the back seat. And so she was sitting there with her cylinder. And she's uh, breathing away, which is always good. Um, even though I did know CPR. So if there had been an emergency, uh, I could have then... We could have pulled up. I could have dragged her out of the back and commenced CPR.
2: Well, you'd have to have someone else carry her um, her tank out so that it didn't kind of bungee out and true, whack true. her in the head. Okay. Oh, okay.
3: good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The imagery, Paul, is is refreshing. It's good stuff. Um, now, then we went to a couple of other locations. We went to a place in Strathfield, and we picked up a few more members of the family. And then, I mean, are you any good at reading maps, Paul?
2: Uh, well, as listeners will know and readers, I don't. I mean, I don't drive, so my my experience reading maps. And please don't mock me, roundly, Dad, is primarily in video games, hmm. but. In my defense, video games do force you to very quickly learn an environment while you're mm. being shot at. So mm. I think I think I have some modicum of being able to read maps. Mm.
3: And of yeah. course, when Tegan and you go on holidays um, yes, to places it's all, it's all... like Mafra, you would be the, uh, the navigator.
2: Oh, yes. I mean, but when we go overseas to Europe or whatever, it, we literally just start walking in a direction, pull out mm. Google Maps and just explore. Mm. So I think, yeah, maps, I dig maps. I don't... Uh, one thing I cannot do is the, you know, the um, the old Kenneds, you know, the like the the big oh, book that you used to have in yeah. the back of every... Yeah I, yeah, I can't do that.
3: No. When I was in the police force in the air wing, I was... Um, we'd have to navigate. Mm. So, we'd be telling the pilot at mm-hmm. nighttime sometimes yeah. where to go. Now, when you look down on the city at nighttime, you see all the, the street lights, but like parks, golf courses, cemeteries are identifiable... ...by their blackness. Now, when you're flying around in a helicopter at nighttime, ...looking for, for example, a riot in a suburb 30 kilometres away... Here, ...here's an interesting thing... ...and a lot of listeners may or may not know this... ...but the top of a street directory or a map... Yeah. ...always faces... Do you know what direction? North? Correct. So, when you're imagine if you're above a major incident at night time in a helicopter... Uh-huh. ...and you are circling the event... Yeah. One guy is, is...
2: Turning the... Is he turning the... He rotates guy?
3: the street directory on his lap.
2: <laughs> that's great.
3: I mean, that sounds crackers, but pretty logical because Just you need to off. know... Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You need yeah. to know where north is. Of course. And that's how you get to the location.
2: They should have a little... You know those things in um, parks in Australia? It's like a UFO. So you've got that metal wheel in the middle and you turn it and you spin around, but it stays, it stays in the mm. same direction. They should have one of those wheels in the middle of helicopters so that no matter what direction they turn, mm. the, the the map is is the right way up.
3: Mm. You've reinforced that fact that I've known for some time, Paul. What fact? That you are not an ideas person.
2: Fuck okay? you.
3: Um. All right. So we... We, I'd never been to Rookwood. I was in charge. We had a yeah. very, very big cortege, I think the How, word is. Is that the now, word? Shit. It's like you have got 100 cars it, or so.
2: Oh, I thought you meant a cortege, like a corsage, like mm. the thing you give your... your no, I think your... it's a cortege. Now, you, as the bo- as the vehicle bearing the... Well, you're not in the vehicle with the body, are you? No. Are no, you? No. no. But you are well, I, of... I I,
3: Sorry, I was in the limousine for a while, but then when we got to the cemetery yep. and made our way to... Um, an office. I then swapped over. I okay. then got into the hearse.
2: So there's like a hundred cars. Of at least a hundred cars yep. for a huge, huge service in a cemetery the size of a suburb. Correct. You are yep. in one of the cars at the front with the wife of the bereaved. She is on an oxygen. Oxygen. Yep. Uh, and then you switch cars before heading further into the bowels of this labyrinth, mm. and you switch to the car, the hearse. Right.
3: Okay, but here's the thing, Paul. Before yep. I I, so I get out of the limo. I get one of the guys in the hearse to then take over the limo drive. Yeah. I needed to be in the lead car, which was the hearse. Do you know why I needed to be in the lead car?
2: Because it's the cool car? Well, well
3: that's debatable. Um, I had to go into an office. And now bear in mind, I've never, ever been to this cemetery before. Mm. Now, with most cemeteries, like remember a few weeks ago, we did the one and there was the funeral on the hill or there was the one with the you know, my, the fat controller vanished into the, the grave, all that sort of stuff, yep. you can actually eyeball most cemeteries. When you drive into most cemeteries, you can actually just scan and see um, where you've got to go. And, and and what donates where you've got to go, uh, well, I'll say that for something that's about to happen, but the, the thing that I needed to do, because it's such a complex, and I mean complex, um Oh God! They're, it's 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 frightening. They give you a map, and this is a really detailed, quite large map. Yep.
2: So and they never... mark. I've never yeah. been there. So you ne- okay? So you've never been there. You get you get to the office before you. Well, as you're switching to the car bearing the dead body with the hundred cars behind you, you go in, and some little clerk gives you a map and marks out presumably where you have to go. Exactly. And then it's up to you to lead a hundred. <laughs> Sorry, Why are you laughing, Paul? Because I'm just I'm, I've got a bit of a feeling in the waters. Okay. Really, that sounds that sounds weird. Um, Paul,
3: <laughs> yeah. I get back in the car. Now the, the member of staff, she looked at me, mm-hmm. and she must have been very good at reading faces because she actually said to me, yeah. "Now, are you sure you understand where to go?" Yeah. Now I was fairly conversant with maps.
2: Of course. But like this what, map uh, yeah.
3: looked as though it had been drawn by... Because they hadn't taken a copy of a, of a real map. An actual map. Are you with me? Hang they on. Sort of
2: so, got, so this was like a map when you go to the zoo and it's, and that's it's right. stylized. and It's stylized. Because you know, so <laughs> when, I, when I go to Melbourne Zoo with Tegan, which is just the best day out you you go and you look down into the each quadrant and it's like there's big cartoon tigers you're like well that's where the tigers are have mm. they got like big cartoon protestants in like well i
3: mean they did have some um some iconography okay say like that they the some of the larger monuments they have yep. perhaps um, taken a bit of artistic license sure sure um now the map was two a4 pages the size of two a4s and um It was a dodgy map. Um, it was kind of a map. It gave you a sense of where to go.
2: Uh-huh.
3: And I remember getting back in the uh, the hearse. I'm wearing my stupid uh, outfit. Um, I was incredibly hot. Mm-hmm. The air conditioning was not that great. Bearing in mind we have this lady in the car behind the hearse who's on oxygen. So I'm thinking to myself, there's a bit of a time factor. I don't want her. <laughs>
2: Fuck. You're not going to
3: space. Paul, <laughs> I didn't yeah. want her to run out of oxygen. Oh my God. These are the things I think about.
2: You don't carry spares in the, in the back?
3: I'm not even answering that question. All right. Great. Um, now, bear in mind, uh-huh. at least 100 cars. Uh-huh. And they're all just idling. So, I some see. of them, I think, I'm thinking they're going to overheat. Because cars like, used to overheat, Paul.
2: Yeah, but it's like, the, it's like the film clip from R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts. Like, you stall in the graveyard and suddenly Michael Stipe's walking up to see what the fuck's going on. So, you've got... It's hot. It's hot at this point. What what time do you think it is as you start heading into the, to the graveyard? About 11.30. Oh, that's primo... That, yeah. That's a bad time to yeah. have a body in a yeah. box.
3: Yeah, and it's in the early... Early 90s. Yeah. So, I was early 30s. I'm in charge... I'm in a, f- a... God, I had no idea. You know, look, I'm looking at the map. Mm-hmm. S- the sweat is dripping off my... And I sweat a lot. Yeah, I'm me sweater. too. I think and it, some that- of the sweat was dripping down on the map. Uh. And then the, sh- the little streets yeah. that were inked were starting to run. Piss off. So, the ink was literally... It was starting to... It was becoming a very, very bad experience. I had a sense of foreboding... Mm-hmm. Where I knew, yet again, <laughs> that something bad's going to happen. But I tried to compose myself. Uh-huh. The staff were great. There oh. was Adam Kinsella, uh, son and heir to uh, aforesaid business. Mm-hmm. Af- aforesaid?
2: Yeah, aforementioned. aforementioned. That's
3: it. Yeah. Yep. And um, there was a really, really nice guy. And, and I know you're listening, um, this particular guy that I'm going to mention, mm. but... And I don't... And he's the... He's Look, he's he's just a, a bloody good bloke. But he had um, a glass eye. <laughs> One of my colleagues. I've never mentioned that before, have I?
2: Huh.
3: Uh, no. And he listens. He's living up in Coffs Harbour now, I, I believe. Um, so, <laughs> it's the three of us. <laughs> and then we've got two uh, black limousines behind. Um, and and then behind that at least 100 cars. Okay. Idling. And then uh, and some of those people I remember looking down and the line of cars actually literally went out of out of view. I'm not saying it went to the horizon, but it went a long way away and I remember distinctly some of the people had their windows down. Now what does that okay. tell you?
2: That they are had no air conditioning.
3: They okay. Had no aircon, And and, yep. and I felt sorry for them as well. Mm. Now, I sit down and I start studying this map and I'm thinking, jeez, oh, it, was, it was very stressful. Again, it was one of those moments in my life where uh, I just kind of wished I wasn't there. I wished I was on some deck chair in Vanuatu, just chilling. Sure. But I wasn't. And I had to bring myself back to reality and think, okay, John, you have no one to assist you. You're yep. on your own. So I said proceed uh, and and off we went and we're driving very slowly anyway what happened was i misread the map and i took the hearse which is a very long vehicle into a tiny tiny cul-de-sac and then i realized but the problem is when you stop the second car stops a microsecond later. The yeah. third car stops a wee bit later than that car. By the time the hundredth car has stopped, it's it's like a caterpillar that runs into a brick wall. There, were, there was no contact, thank God. But what happened was we then had to do about... Now, I know that some listeners think I'm prone to exaggeration, and, uh-huh. and that's partly true. But I'm just going to say to the listeners, I reckon we had to do a 30-point turn.
2: Because you're segmented like a caterpillar. We were
3: locked in. It was a nightmare. The sweat, the heat, the stress, the woman on oxygen, the hundred cars. (laughs) By the time we righted this particular (laughs) shitstorm... We then had to do what I would only describe to you and the listeners as the drive of shame.
2: Back the way you came. We had
3: to go back, but as we drove out of this tiny cul-de-sac, I looked straight ahead. I knew I could feel the burning glares of all the people that had to. They couldn't do. Can you imagine 100 cars doing a 30-point turn? No, no. They had to then do the drive of shame into the same cul-de-sac. But they, fortunately, being a lot shorter, Mm. negotiated quite well. But as we drove out of this cul-de-sac, I was probably 10 inches from the faces of the passengers in all the cars.
2: Oh, it's like a drive-through.
3: We had to then drive past the 100 cars. Now, they were... Unaware of where they were going, but they mm. then became aware that the hearse was leaving the cul de sac, and they in turn would have realised. And people are starting to get the shits. i stressed.
2: Some of them wouldn't know, right? Because they, they're just they're I, just I mean, going for the drive. If you're grieving and you're hot and distracted, you're kind of on autopilot. Correct. So maybe the moment they realise that they've been they've been fucked is the moment they head into the cul de sac, and and they, there's a
3: sense of acceptance.
2: Uh, and res- once you accept
3: yeah. and resignation, and once you accept that uh, the 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 director of this particular funeral uh, company has got no fucking idea what he's doing, <laughs> and is an idiot, and perhaps is a part time clown, then they can go well, you know, and they and some of them accept that, some of mm. them just go, we basically think you're a moron, we're never using your company again, and you're you an idiot, cretin, and and the wife of the over bere- of the deceased, I
2: was running out of air,
3: well. I assume that well, obviously she's running out of oxygen, so so she has to be because. But every moment,
2: every moment that you are—I mean, this is like a deep dive. This is like you know cave diving. Like every moment you spend underwater, so to speak, or you know, like in the in the depths of this of Rookwood Cemetery, is another minute that her oxygen is expiring. Mm. She is literally on the clock. So as the clock as this um, debacle unravels, okay, so you've done the drive-by shame sushi train thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you then have to go back to the entrance to reorient yourself?
3: Paul, I'm so glad you mentioned that because then I experienced what I would describe as a minor miracle. It was divine intervention. Oh. The hand of... Someone reached down Mm. and said, John, it's all going to be okay. And I I had a sign. And do you know what that sign was?
2: The foot from Monty Python?
3: No, what happened was I looked over to my left and I saw a sight that made me feel that I was going to be um, saved from this shit situation. And there were these amazing, wonderful... Uh, and very astute, might I say, mm. grave diggers. And there they were waiting in the distance. And they had watched this entire procession and they, I, I think they would have really got a damn fine belly laugh watching this unfold. And then I realised that um, that's where we had to go. But there was a minor problem, not a major problem, uh, because I got a bit excited at that stage. Mm. and i thought i'm not going to use the map cuz i can see them and i thought to get there really quickly
2: hang on hang on hang on why are two grave diggers a sign that you're meant to be going because, in that direction because
3: they realized that we in fact had the body that they had oh prepared. so they
2: they they waved you over or something waved us over Oh, you didn't say that. I thought just. Sorry, they're... sorry, mate. Sorry. No, that's no, no, that's fine. I'm yep. just. I was curious as to how the presence of two men in a graveyard was some sort of divine. Okay, so they're literally going. And they hey. waved
3: us. They were waving at us.
2: Like idiot. And over I... here.
3: And I wound the. Uh... I didn't wind. Sorry, that's. I'm used to my ute, which does not have electric windows. Mm. But I actually pressed a button, and the window magically went down. Yes. And I stuck my hand out, uh-huh. and I re- I returned. I reciprocated. Uh, the wave. Sure. And then I said to my driver, "I said, look, this is this is good. Let's let's head over there." But the thing is, Paul and listeners, that we basically um, these were not all-terrain vehicles. Uh, it was not a four-wheel-drive hearse. I don't know if there is such a thing. Um, and we made our way. Uh, I'd like to say cross-country. Yeah. Um, we didn't always use the roads. Uh, the roads. They weren't Hang roads. On. They were kind of tracks.
2: Uh, you so you, wait 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 wait. I I, I don't want to. If you'll forgive the pun, bury the lead here. Um, you took a convoy of 100 cars, the foremost of which was bearing a dead body off road mm. in a suburb sized uh, graveyard.
3: Mm. Because my paramount uh, concern was, was getting was, there. Was getting there. But also the misery and the heat and the. Uh, all, all, all those problems yeah. are behind me, mm. physically behind me.
2: As other cars, so when you say off road, I'm immediately picturing you in a Fast and Furious. No, Vin very very slow. So you're not like bulldozing over graves. No, no,
3: no. We didn't run any graves over, but we ne- we negotiated around a few. We went up a few gutters, um, but we we basically went as the crow would fly. In what other words, be? in in the shortest practical practicable route.
2: But and the point is, the problem there is that the crow could fly over the gravestones, whereas you had to drive through them. <laughs> the anyway, thing is, e- that even if you could pull off the manoeuvre, even if you could thread the needle, I guarantee you one of the hundred cars would have just skewed a little bit to oh, the definitely.
3: left. <laughs> <just> but go- <laughs> Paul, um, do you know what I wish I had at that point in time, apart from a gun? <laughs> I wish I'd had a hover hearse. A hearse. Yeah, and we could have just hovered over everything and got to where we needed to go. But eventually, yeah. eventually, yeah. it was getting near midday. Yeah. Um, we got over to these uh, these two guys, and they had prepared freshly mm. the uh, the hole. Now, uh, I I distinctly remember the family name, and I'm going to use the family name. The family name um, was Benedetti. Uh, they were from uh, somewhere in South America. Mm. Uh, terrific, terrific family. I mean, I didn't know the guy in the back. He was, he'd was he passed away. Of course. But I, I, I'd had a, a bit of a discussion um, and felt a minor affinity to the elderly lady on oxygen. Of course. And um, she wore a veil, which was very traditional, so I never really got to see her face. Right. That was a bit weird. Um, and I go over to these grave diggers and I literally I, I felt like um, prostating myself. <laughs> I felt like dropping to my knees and kissing them. I was so excited. Yeah. And I said, guys, you have just saved me. And they said to me, um, oh, great, look, um, what's the, uh, you know, let's just confirm the name of the deceased. And I said, yes, it's uh, Mr. Benedetti. And they looked at me and all the colour, um, well, the colour ran out of their faces and no. the colour ran out of my face. no. Because it oh. was not for it was not our funeral.
2: Oh my god! Mm. So you've a hundred oh.
3: cars are stopped. Oh my god! And literally, some of the people actually couldn't even get out of their cars because they would have <laughs> stepped on graves. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, God, I can feel my chest tightening. <laughs> no, seriously, it was so upsetting. Because you know what we had to do then? What? Well, we had to go. We, I had to walk. Not drive. Yeah. I had to walk the line of shame past... I and I had to go to the very, very back car. Because
2: they're the front car now, right?
3: And But no one could turn around. Right. Uh. Everyone had to reverse. And there were some people in that cortege that couldn't... They were not that good at a driver's. Yeah, okay. I mean, I reckon some of the people there had got their license off the back of a Kellogg's Cornflakes packet. So, you know, if... If one is a, is is someone that literally can't drive and 10 is a Grand Prix driver, yeah. Um, some of the drivers, I reckon, I'd rate them at a three, because some okay. of them are incredibly, incredibly elderly, I and mean, you've got to you've got to give it to them and say, look, three cheers and good on you for coming out today. But yeah. you know, you're eighty, your your wife's eighty-five, you're in a in a shitbox car that's overheating. Now you've it's not already... the time
2: to be. Yeah, this is not the Dakar Rally. Like, no, just... and then
3: I I have to ask. So, I had to kind of project manage a hundred cars reversing and it was just, it was bad. Sure. That's probably the greatest, the greatest stuff up I've ever made and Hang it was on. terribly embarrassing.
2: Hang on, how did it, how did this thing end? Did you oh, well, get we, Oh,
3: to... we eventually, mm. went... now all those cars that, that reversed, they then had to reverse out and go over to... Imagine going to your left if you're reversing. Mm. They had to let us out. Then we... Do you know what I did? I went back to the office. I drove back to the office. And everyone still followed me. Every single person that day, they were like in a trance. They were like zombies that were driving Dodgem cars. (laughs) And wherever I went, they went. If I had of. Um Oh look what no matter what I would have done in the hearse they, they were just because they kinda feel that they need someone to follow. Yeah. Um and I went back to the office and by that time the office had been notified of this this pathetic monumental fuck up. And and how's this sound, Paul? The lovely, lovely Clark came up with a brainwave mm-hmm. and said, How about she? Um, go in the hearse and direct everyone to the location. And that's what she did. And then she, in the heat of the midday sun, uh, walked back, God knows how, look, it could have been a kilometre. She made her way back to her office and we finally got to bury this um, Mr. Benedetti Mm. and... Um, to this day, I've, I've never seen the wife's face because, as I said, um, it was shrouded in a black veil and um, there she was, you know, um, dragging her little oxygen bottle and it was kind of a bit sandy. Right. And she ga- she stood around and, you know, I could, I could... We got through the service and it was all very sombre. Um, everyone was sweating. Um, my clothing was pretty well wet. Um, I was sweating into my shoes and um, I, uh, I could hear her breathing. I, uh, which was a bit disconcerting, but it was good in a way to know that um, throughout the process she was still breathing. And uh, then we got her back in the uh, in the limousine, and I took her back to St. Vincent's and uh, said goodbye. Um, and then I just stood there watching her, and, and some staff came down, and they then. Took her back into the hospital, and uh, that was a a dreadful, dreadful day. Um, yeah,
2: Jesus Christ, uh, or whichever denomination of deity you know saw fit to kind of befuddle you on that mm. specific day, Dad. That, that's yeah. a that's a very good story. That's mm. um, and just as a quick uh, thing, if anybody who was there on that day, who was part of that cavalcade of cars, remembers that day, feel free to get in touch because I would love to hear someone else's perspective on this insanity. Well, look, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units uh, Dead Serious. Thank you so much for tuning in again. It's been an absolute bloody pleasure. And also, Dad, Electric Blue has been out for, I think, a month now. So if you haven't already got your copy of my second book, please do feel free to grab it. Oh, and if you have read the book... Leave us a review, um, go to Goodreads, wherever you got the book, just you know, post about it on socials. Let's spread the word. Let's really kind of share the love. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate all the kind words about the book as well. So we've got a really amazing loose ends planned this week. It's going to be, as Dad promised, extremely grim. So make sure you are strapped up and buckled up and safe mm-hmm. and ready to go on Friday because it's going to be huge. And yep. we'll see you then for more Loose Units. Cheerio.